0: This episode of the A-List Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Hello, Celtics fans. Welcome in to another episode of the A-List Podcast. I'm Kwani A. Lunas, joined by A. Sean Blakely and Gary Washburn, right after a Celtics sweep. Did we see this coming? <laughs> of course we did. We tried to tell you I all this. I don't know. Stuff. Game well, four had me on the edge. I didn't know if this was going to turn out the way we thought it would. <laughs>
1: well, game four had me on the edge because of Scott Foster was one of the refs. And Scott exactly. Foster traditionally does not have a favorable whistle for teams who are in position to close out a series. That, that's just not what he does. Yeah. Um, but I saw I didn't a tweet think that Rick-
0: said he made the plot twist. He made the call for the Celtics this time. Adam Silver, well, you know
1: what? <laughs> Scott. He was kind of low key, not that engaged in the game. Like I, I, I didn't feel his imprint on this game the way I normally do most games. I know really? some people were giving him grief, saying that oh, he was the one that they called Tatum for the sixth foul, but it wasn't mm-hmm. him. It was another ref. Uh, so Scott, he, he actually did what refs do. Um, he just kind of stepped, stayed out of it. So. Mm-hmm. And as our good friend Ahmed in the background points out, Scott Foster, 19 and 2 teams who were um trailing in the series mm-hmm. are when he's on the call. So the Celtics mm-hmm. clearly bucked tradition in getting that win. But
0: and the thing about officiating that bothers me is the fact that we even know Scott Foster's name. When the fact that him and Tony Brothers were trending, I think it was right before game two. People shouldn't know the names of the refs. The fact that you clearly have this much of an impact on the game, the NBA needs to do something about it. And also on top of that, players and coaches get fined for critiquing it. But I think if critiquing needs to be done, or if enough players are saying something, there needs to be a red flag somewhere where, all right, we just had five players get fined for being upset with the way the game was officiated. Maybe we should look into it. But of course, that's in the ideal world, that's obviously not gonna happen. But it's it's frustrating to look at that part.
1: No, no. I'm curious to see what Gary Washburn has to say. Yeah, Gary, what do you think? Come on.
0: You've been around the block with basketball right? Oh, he
1: he damn have <laughs> been around the block. He no, stop.
2: It. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Thank you, Mr. Blakely. Um <laughs> you're welcome, Mr. Washburn. Thank you. I go my I go by Mr. Anyway. Um <laughs> I think, I think, you know, it was a tightly officiated game, a lot of controversial calls, uh, not controversial, but close calls. Um, I, I just, I thought that the Celtics just, it, it really seemed like in the last four minutes, you know what? Like this is not going to work out for me. This will be game mm. five. Like yep. Nets was coming back. The Celtics offense was shoddy. Tatum picked up that charge. uh um, on Blake Griffin, and he had to leave the game. And then he got like it was like it was had all the makings for like, you know, Katie or Kyrie's gonna hit one of them like clutch yeah. threes with about 15 seconds left. The central will will botch the last possession and all of a sudden we got a game five on Wednesday. But they just made enough plays. Al Horford with that couple click cl- clutch shots, Marcus Smart being Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, they're um white I thought. Missed a couple of open shots that really would have extended the lead. Two open threes, I felt. But otherwise, play that was aggressive offensively. So, you know what? With Scott Foster games, like, you just try to survive, you know, Mm. because he's going to make it a show just like uh, Mark Davis, like, you know, Bill Kennedy. There's this guys around the league, you know. Since Joey Crawford is retired and passed the mantle, there's a couple of guys who have come after him who – make do want to, you know, put on a show um, mm-hmm. and Scott Foster, one of them and the NBA keeps running these guys out there, you know, so their grades must be okay, I guess, but, you know, but, you know, would you rather have Scott Foster or would you rather have some of these young refs, that, yeah, the yeah. Old, you know, these 33 year old refs, sorry, Kiwani, Um <laughs> you know, they was born in the nineties too. Some of them anyway, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> do you want Ben officiating big games is that what you you want or you want Scott Foster you know and Tony Brothers mm-hmm. and Curtis Blair and Carl Lane and some of those vets I'll take the vets
0: you have to or really no, enjoy want- to be a villain yeah he, he'll take the vets too yeah, of course I get it though well the series itself I think the biggest highlight the biggest thing to highlight is Jason Tatum and his performance Anyone going into this series definitely thought that Kyrie and Katie together had a, like, they were taking this for the most part. But Tatum showed up and showed out 29.5 points throughout the series, 7.3 assists. Is top five Tatum here to stay? Because he was just on fire. You got it, Gary. You guys are speechless. They're
2: spe—they're speechless at Tatum's performance. No, um, <laughs> I think that it was an opportunity, and although he would not admit it, he understood, and I'm sure was told by all of his friends and family and all of Twitter and all of social media that this was his turn, his chance to prove that he's on that level with a Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and one of the top five to 10 players in the league. We'll see what happens in a couple of weeks or whenever when All-NBA... Um, yeah. is uh released, and I want to talk about later the most improved thing, which is a farce to me. But we, yeah, we, yeah. we, 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 can, talk the, we, we can talk about joke.
0: We can talk about that. About.
2: We can talk about that in a, in a minute. And, well, let's uh, that. Something I wrote about, and, and kind of where there's it, no hope for it. But anyway, I thought Tatum had a solid series. I don't think he shot the ball particularly well, um, but he shot the ball well when he needed to. He made big plays when he needed to. He made the most play big plays of the series. He led the offense. He played great defense. He got steals. He got key rebounds. He didn't back down. Last year, I thought that one play where Kevin fouled the hell out of him on a three and it was like, oh, that's okay, Kevin. you can foul me. No, like I think, you know the the tone was set early when. Seth Curry fouled Jason Hard, and Jalen came up and was like, no, nah, don't, don't do that. That wouldn't have happened last year. And, and Jason, instead of being in Durant's shadow and being like, oh, KD, KD, which is great. I, I understand looking up to your heroes, guys you idolize, guys you were literally in your damn basketball camps, you know, where you're taking a picture with the guy and all that. That has to be intimidating. People think, oh, you're just supposed to look at a dude who you admired for all these years, and then just be like, "Oh, you just another trash player." Like I'm a like, no, you have mad respect. Yeah. You don't want, you know. But I think Tatum's like, okay, I'm through with all that. I'm not gonna disrespect anybody, but I'm gonna show that I'm the best MF on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think that was his goal in this series, and I think he accomplished that. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the sky's the limit for him. I mean, the Celtics have him for several more years. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to like Boston. He likes playing for the Celtics. The coaching change, I think helped the situ- situation. So this was Jason Tatum series to show out and he showed out. I I, th- I, yeah. Yeah, I,
1: I thought this was, um, I, I have to kind of push back a little. I thought Tatum was really good in this series. He shot about the same from the field in this series as he did during the season, but he was a much better three point shooter in the playoffs in this series than he was in the regular season. So that, to me from an offensive standpoint showed him stepping his game up and defensively. I don't know if Tatum has had a better stretch defensively than he had in this series, the way he guarded Durant. I mean, Durant was like three for 18 shooting when Tatum was on him. He scored 12 points against Tatum in the playoffs and had 12 turnovers. That should not happen when you're defending a guy as incredibly dynamic as Kevin Durant, who's one of the all time, not just one of the, you know, greatest scores of this generation he's one of the greatest scores to ever play in the nba and for Mm -hmm. tatum to dominate that matchup and i'm gonna use the word dominate because that's exactly what he did he outplayed him offensively he put the clamps on him defensively and he sent kd home with a with a sweep for the first time in his career Mm -hmm. tatum was top five tatum to me i think he he finally figured out the cheat code and the cheat code is, is really simple you have to kill you have to be a killer at both ends of the floor i think it's a much of, and i think a lot of that has to do with emey emey is as as we know emey is more of a defensive minded kind of guy and he's challenged tatum in many respects to step his game up at that end of the floor because tatum has always been a solid defender but i thought he was exceptional in this series to the point where if you had to kind of do a re-voting of the all-NBA defensive teams, Tatum's probably first or second team based on what he did in the playoffs. So this was top five Tatum, a guy that can dominate at both ends of the floor uh, against the best players in the world, which, again, Durant is still, even if he had a bad series, which by Durant's standards was bad, but by most people, it was pretty good. Yeah. Tatum dominated that matchup. And we'll get
0: into KD and even Kyrie a little bit more later later on. But you mentioned the coaching matchup, Ime versus Steve Nash. Obviously Ime won that that he swept, I would say, that matchup as well. But what do you think was the biggest difference between their coaching methods? I think with
1: I think with Ime, you've got someone who actually wanted to be a coach had taken a path to becoming a head coach, had made it clear well before he got a holler from, from a couple of really good players about being a coach that he he wanted this job. He benefited from that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure Gary will get into it a little bit, but having been on that Nets coaching staff certainly was a plus. Uh, but to me, the, the biggest difference is that Ime understands the adjustments game. Uh, Ime didn't have like a plan A and maybe a plan B. Ime had like a plan A through Z. And even in this, I'm convinced that there are things that he had in the bag that he didn't unleash because he didn't have to. But they were there. Eme has shown the ability of, uh, and and the other thing too, and and I'll pass on to Gary. Eme coaches with conviction. Eme's imprint is on this team. You can't say that about Steve Nash. And even when Steve Nash had an opportunity to put his imprint on a team, like when Kyrie missed half the damn season because of of just the New York City Vax laws. Never did Steve Nash take advantage of that and, and make that team about it. it. It was, it's always been Kevin and Kyrie's team. And Steve, you just mm-hmm. happen to be the babysitter. Um, you're going to get your check, but the kids are running the daycare. The kids are, they are running things. You're just simply there because they want you to be there. Uh, they don't, ex- they don't expect anything from you. And that's what you deliver. Absolutely nothing that can help them. So, um, E-may, it, I'm not surprised that e won the head-to-head matchup. I am a little bit shocked that it was as decisive as it was.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he coached circles around Nash. I really don't know the personality of a Steve Nash team. Um, I really don't know what he's there for. Besides, mm-hmm. hey, I'm Steve Nash, and I'm a two-time yeah, yeah. MVP and top 75, and I look kind of cool on the side. He's got nice sneakers.
1: I like his sneakers. Right? His shoe game is tight. His,
2: I don't know what he's there for you know, the staff, Jock Vaughn, a good former NBA coach, a guy who's been around and some of the staff, quality staff, but I don't know what major adjustments Steve Nash made to get KD open. Um, Whether he decided to make the, the lineup changes, like he, it was subtle, like the first couple of games, they played Kessler Edwards who didn't touch the floor in games three and four, uh, you know, he went with Blake Griffin in games three or four. That really didn't work uh, besides a couple of three-pointers and kind of a, you know, just like a lightning in a bottle for real quick. Um, he did not play LaMarcus Aldridge, who I thought he could have played with his savvy. And LaMarcus has had a 49-point game just a few years ago against the Celtics. I thought he might have helped them not win the series, but maybe win a game or something. It was just a weird thing like it was just like he's just gonna run the same lineup out there I'm gonna run Bruce Brown I'm gonna run KD and Kyrie uh Patty Mills I'm gonna hope he could hit some threes like Patty Mills didn't have much of an impact on the series as I thought he would Seth Curry I thought was good very good in stretches and kept him in the game in game four but it just seemed like he didn't have a lot of options maybe you know all these guys you brought in and that's the whole thing about. Um the new NBA is that this whole like, and I and I'm, you know, and I've pushed for we've all pushed in the past. Well, the Celtics should look at this guy and bring him in if he's bought out. They should bring in DeAndre Jordan, they should bring in JaVel McGee. They should bring in ex-veteran player who's been discarded by another team. He can help him. That doesn't work much anymore. Like the whole, you know, it it worked, it works a little bit like let's say. Milwaukee with Wesley Matthews who was already had played for the bucks and came back there was, and, and kind of came off the street or maybe, you know, a Lance Stevenson here and there, but that the, the playing old heads ain't working no more. Look at, look at all the guys that committed to Brooklyn. Remember it's going to load, loaded. Oh, Goran Dragic committed to Brooklyn. Aldridge committed to Brooklyn. Blake Griffin committed to Brooklyn. Like how many of them dudes help? It's, it's a, it's a league now. and and I think Brad deserves a lot of credit for this, is that you either want guys in your team who are young and can play potentially or or can play right now. The Celtics don't have a bunch of old heads on their bench just sitting there collecting dust. The, The Nets were a team that was built with a 2010s mentality. Get a bunch of stars, get a bunch of old vets around them, try to play well. Remember, they gave up Jared Allen to keep DeAndre Jordan. They traded for James Harden and gave up Karis LeVert. Like, they've done so many strange things, you know, to try to build this roster into a championship roster. And Steve Nash didn't have many options. I can't blame him from shop for Sean Marks' mistakes. Although, I don't know, I'll be honest, I mean, the reason Steve Nash got the job was his name. We don't know what kind of hell of a kind of coach Steve Nash is. We still don't really know after two years. We don't know what kind of evaluator of talent, communicator he is, defense. They don't play no defense in Brooklyn. Like, what does he do? What does he bring? You know, so I just thought the Nets, the Celtics sent the Nets more into a tailspin of like, where do we go as an organization? Because they were like the trendy, hot team in the East. Remember, in the mid-2000s, it was Miami. Then it was Cleveland. Then it became Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn's KD. Then that didn't last long because Milwaukee, now the team is Milwaukee, right? What's Brooklyn going to do? You going to go young and sign a bunch of young guys and try to draft well? You going to bring in another new set of old heads? But I just think Eme outcoached Nash's circles around him and had more options, and had more youthful options, more useful players. You could throw LaMarcus out there, but he ain't going to defend. I get it. You can throw Blake out there, but Blake ain't going to stop nobody. Blake, and it's hard to watch Blake Griffin now. Like, we remember Blake jumping over cars, dunking on fools mm-hmm. left and right, just being this athletic freak, and now he's literally a hustle guy. Now, that'll keep you in the league. It's just It just shows you Quite honestly, like how you can lose it. Because Blake ain't nothing but like 33, 34, Blake not 40. So I just think Nash had much limited options thanks to his GM, but also didn't show me nothing as a coach anyway. Didn't say, I'm going to coach my ass off to win the one game in this series. Look at what Willie Green is doing in New Orleans without Zion Williams, pushing the number one seed. I know they're not without De- without they're without Devin Booker, pushing the number one seed to the to six games. Look at Nick Nurse down 3-0, one without Fred Van Vliet last night, and won game three with Van Vliet playing, or game four with Van Vliet playing like a quarter. Like that's freaking coaching. What has Nash proven? Nothing. He was a hot name. Everybody loves Steve Nash because he was a cool Canadian point guard. And they gave him a mad, a, a premium NBA job. That's not happening to a lot of other candidates like Eme. The, the net, you know, Eme was on that staff. They were okay. See, you, later. you let Eme go to Boston and outcoach the hell of the coach he coached under. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous to me. Like the Nets got to look like, damn, we gonna let Eme walk? Well, we let yeah. the best coach on our staff leave yeah. to keep Steve Nash, and we still don't know what we have in Steve Nash although he's a cool guy
1: and wears nice shoes. Love his (laughs) shoes. But, but, but Gary, to your point though, um, it's once again, the Celtics hustle the nets. They hustled them with the KG Paul Pierce trade and, 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 and uh, and Gary, just to to double down on your point, not only did you get out coached by the coach that you could have had that was on your staff, The two guys that kicked your ass the worst were Jalen and Jason, who who the Celtics drafted with your picks. The Celtics whipped your ass with the coach that you could have had, and then whipped your ass with two players that were your players. So if I'm Sean Marks, I ain't picking up the phone if, if if Brad Stevens or anyone with the Celtics come call. I don't want to deal Never, with them.
0: Not for another 20 years. I don't want to <laughs> deal
1: with them. They've been, they've, they've hustled. They have hustled your franchise. They looking at Long you about. like, Hmm, Mark, we got something for you.
0: <laughs> Let's have a conversation. You are the special.
1: You are the daily special that they're hustling <laughs>
0: every time. When we talk about coaching, it also comes down to the way that they manage their players and, as you both know, Robert Williams was returning from surgery. How do you think he was was he managed well? Do you like the way that he was used in this series? Well Billy. I
1: like and the way series. that they, they they made it they made it really uh, gradual his return. They didn't and it, it to me it, it speaks to how they figured so many things out without him that reintegrating him they wanted to be kind of a gradual thing. So so it wouldn't just be this kind of this is us with him. This is us without him. It's just mm-hmm. like, let's just get him back into the flow of things. And he showed to me in limited minutes, he showed that he's he's pretty much where he was before the injury. I mean, there was some some lobs that he was able to get his hands on that were just, you know, there's maybe three or four guys in the planet that could get them, and he's one of them. Uh, and he's still able to get those lobs. Uh, I, I love the way that he was able to really make his presence felt without being the center of attention uh, it was a it was yeah. a very Rob like run that he had but but in much shorter spurts and 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 dosages and I, I just it's it was good to see him back out there and, and he may, I give him credit he didn't um he didn't lean on him too heavy he just basically got him out there to get it get in enough time before it was like a practice almost
0: yeah I agree with that I, I was worried that he was gonna feel too much pressure to come back and overperform, but I do like the way he was eased into the game.
2: Gary, what about you? Uh, I thought Robert played okay. I think physically he still didn't quite look himself. Like he was a little bit slow up and down the floor. I think he's got to get back in basketball shape. You know, real practices over the next couple of days. I think this break will help him over the next three or four days. Get him some real five on five. Get a, get that sweat up. Get that endurance up. Be ready to go. Um, I thought he played okay in game in game four. He had a couple silly fouls, fouling Katie on that three pointer, and then fouling Katie again with with the with the Nets in the bonus. Um, you know, he, he I thought he did okay for what. Like I'm not saying like it, I thought he's he good. He's healthy. It's good he's back. But I thought like Sherrod said, it's gradual. He didn't look like mid season four and Rob. He looked rusty, Rob. And I don't know if that'll take another game or two for him to get it out, or whether he can get all that out in practice. Where game one against Milwaukee or Chicago, likely Milwaukee, he'll be like prime, ready to go. Um, Robert Williams, but I thought he was—I thought it was a blessing for them to have him back, and for him, you know, for him to have another big option, because all the other bigs got in foul trouble too. Tice, was, yeah. Tice, and Horford got in foul Shocker. trouble. And then Williams, I think, had four Williams himself had four fouls. Um, so I thought it was good for them to get him that work. But I wasn't, I didn't think, oh, he looked perfect. He looked right, like you do. Yeah. So no, I, I I thought he definitely displayed some rust, but I think he's he'll be fine.
0: Yeah. And the good news is he gets to warm up before they head into that next series, which we'll get into as well. But as we mentioned, the Celtics. They came away with a sweep, and you can, too, if you use betonline.ag, sweep in that cash. <laughs> sure, I like that one. But as you know, baseball... Thanks a Thank you. I try, I try. Baseball is back. The WNBA season's coming back as well, but BetOnline has more than just that. They're your continued source for sports wagering needs, including live betting and your va- favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's easy to get started. Just use our promo code TLMS50 for that fifty percent welcome bonus for your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. And two people that we do want to talk about, we have to talk about, is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and the meltdown that we saw on the floor. I'm sure you two heard his com- Kyrie's comments post game after the sweep about just regrouping and him and Kev helping. The front office manages this team, and there was no mention of Steve Nash, so that's drama in itself. What do we make of whatever went down in Brooklyn?
2: Get it, Gary. Shroud's <laughs> oh. is rubbing his forehead because he's just stressed out about it. I mean, I, I don't know why anybody is at all ever surprised what Kyrie says anymore. I think there's a lack of self awareness, and I don't think he can really help it. At this point, I don't think he means, uh, you know, ill will toward anyone. He just has his own agenda, his own path. He's not gonna let anyone defer him from that path. And if it hurts people, um, you know, he's not gonna acknowledge that. And, 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 you know, and I think he hurt the team this year. I mean, the whole, you know, his refusal to get vaccinated, the New York rules. Now, Who you know, he plays for another team. This is not a topic. He can keep it moving, right? This, it just happened to be in Brooklyn. All the other guys made the commitments, Pardon Durant, in terms of getting vaccinated, like, we ready to make this run. We ready ready to take over, take what we should have had last year in terms of, you know, if they were able to beat Milwaukee, they feel like they could have won a championship. Um, And then Kyrie kind of screws it up with the vaccination and then you're not going to play. And then the Nets back down and his relationship with Kevin Durant, and how that is, like, that's the one thing that I think the Celtics are just blessed at. One, you got young stars, but two, Tatum and Brown ain't trying to run the organization yet. Like, they're not trying to run things. They're not going and picking your team and going, we want to play for you, and we're going to run things. You know, we're going to take over your club. You know, we ain't doing Harlem Nights where, you know, Richie, uh, Danny, we're going to take all your profits, we're going, like, we're not doing this, okay, they're not running the show, Tatum and Brown are, they ain't playing GM, Uh they ain't playing, you know, you need to sign this guy, who, why did they get DeAndre Jordan, because Kevin Durant, yeah, mm-hmm. why did they get, why did Kyrie, you know, they signed Kyrie, because that was a way to get Durant, like, you don't want, like, I would never want to be the Brooklyn Nets in terms of just having t- players control or the Los Angeles Lakers, where you have a controlling entry, like a, a controlling factor in LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Telling Rob Pelinka, sign Russell Westbrook. You know, Tatum or Brown might give a suggestion, you know, if they get asked, but that's the good thing. The fortunate thing, if you're a Celtics fan, your two superstars don't have and don't desire to control and run the organization. And to me, Kyrie and Kevin are just running the net Nets and it's failed miserably. Like nothing close to a championship. Oh, let's just run it back again next year. Durant's going to be 34 next year. Okay? Like who's going to who's going to Bruce Brown a free agent. Okay? Blake's probably gone, Drogic's probably gone. Aldridge's probably gone. So who are you going to play? Who who y'all going to play with again? Y'all going to play with uh, Drummond's gone, right? So, you know, you, Curry, Mills, and Claxton, like that's your squad you rolling with? You know, like they need a lot of improvement. And Kyrie and, and especially had to take responsibility of like, I kind of botched this. Well, I didn't want it to be about me. Well, Kyrie, it's always about you. Like, it's always been about you. You're not, you're, you're a narcissist. Like, you, it's always been about your interest. What makes you happy? I want to be happy and do things my way. If not, I ain't cooperating. I ain't doing a damn thing. I, I want out of Boston because, you know what? I just don't feel right here. So I'm a, I am want out of Cleveland. So if he doesn't ask out of Cleveland, Isaiah Thomas remains a Celtic. Mm-hmm. You affect people's lives when you do that whole instinct about get me the hell out of here. But that's not only Kyrie. That's James Harden. That's other guys who are requested. The Ben Simmons and all that. You're, you know, look at the, the lives that, that you affect when you pull this, I want out. You know, you got fa- Seth Curry family, Andre German got family on shore in school and all that. They got to pull their kids out of school and go to Brooklyn because Ben Simmons said he want to play for the Sixers. So what you don't want and the Celtics don't have is a good thing is superstars trying to run your organization. So people ain't taking the word of Durant and Irving anymore. And just like y'all, y'all go down the road together. I don't think people want Brooklyn to win. I don't think Brooklyn's that hot team that people want to really follow. I think people are tired of the Nets. Mm-hmm. people are just like man i'm not trying to hear about the nets whatever you know because they got out they you know as i just mentioned before blake griffin committed to the nets marcus Aldridge, everybody wants to sign with the nets what what happened they lost in the first round like you know so let kyrie and kevin figure it out then but i don't think they ever get back to championship contention
0: and to your point the two teams that are managed by players are now going to be sitting home watching the playoffs when you look at Brooklyn and L.A. So clearly these teams need to just let the GMs in the front office do their jobs. Like you said, maybe they're open to suggestions, but you can't do all. Just do what you can on the floor. And then maybe when you retire, go to the front office and make change there. But you can't run a team in play.
1: Well, so much of, of this is about trust uh specifically trusting your teammates to do what they're supposed to do trusting the front office to do what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. but mainly trusting yourself that to if you involved. do what you do then everyone else is going to do their job too and Kyrie Durant LeBron the they're part of a of a of a generation where they don't buy that uh, they they have a they have this idea of what what player empowerment looks and feels like, and I think it's a little bit twisted from what it really is and what it should be. Player empowerment means, for me at least, it, I I conceive it as players understanding the ability that they have to significantly influence things for the greater good of players. And the problem I run into with Kyrie and KD and and LeBron is they see that player empowerment as it benefits themselves like i don't see how you forming a super team in brooklyn is going to help anyone other than the players that you're joining forces with and again i it, it absolutely blew up in their faces like like nothing like nothing anyone had seen before and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just didn't trust one another they didn't trust the process and now they're going to have trouble convincing others to join them in trusting the process. If you are thinking about playing for Brooklyn and you're looking at Kyrie, you're, and you're looking at KD, you're like, okay, KD, I could kind of rock with him because he's kind of stayed true to who he is. He has been like, look, I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to go out here and get 25, seven and seven and rush y'all. Y'all do what y'all do. And we win. that doesn't, that didn't happen. Kyrie, he can do the same, but maybe he doesn't feel like doing it today. Maybe he's got some, I don't know, some some sage to burn or he's got some, you know, meeting to go to or, or he's just not really feeling like giving you all that he has because you can't trust him. You can't trust him. That's why James Harden is in Philly because mm-hmm. he couldn't trust Kyrie. He couldn't trust the process anymore. And when you're a great player and you know you have a limited window of greatness left ahead of you, You're not trying to join forces with no cat that you can't trust,
0: that you can't believe in. There's no point in that. There's no point. Well, I know Gary did want to touch on, before we get into where the Celtics head to next, the Most Improved Player Award, John Morant, was the recipient of it and actually gave the award to our favorite guy, Desmond Bain. We talk about him a lot on this podcast. What are your critiques for the Most Improved Player Award? How do you think it should be changed? Get
2: it, Gary, get it. Funny. <laughs> okay, so I wrote in the Globe, I uh, uh, talked to the uh, NBA official about what why there's no guidelines for some of these awards. Because I do think people have asked me, well, Gary, what's MVP? Is MVP the best player in the league? Or Giannis? Or is it the player that's most valuable to his team? The player that gets their team the most wins? The player that, you know, Nikola Jokic, who obviously Denver wouldn't be anywhere without him because they got all the injuries or, you know, Joel Embiid, because he played without Ben Simmons and half, half of James Harden. Like there is no guidelines. Okay. And I think MVP is one of those, I think you can get away with, because I think every year you have a good crop of obviously candidates and that, you know, this year will be split. Who knows who's going to win? Most improved player is the one that, that it really perplexes me and, and, and annoys me because there's no damn way John Morant should be winning most improved player. He's the damn rookie of the year. Number two, overall pick. He's the
0: most, most improved, improved rookie of the
2: year. <laughs> most improved player to me is a player and, but there's no guidelines. So you literally have people thinking, you know, star players and all the three guys were top. third thir- were top three. We're all on the all-star team this year. Darius Garland, who is just making that transition. Okay, I guess. DeJounte Murray, who's, I think, a more credible candidate. Ja was a number two overall pick and rookie of the year, and it's just shooting up in the air. He went from star to superstar. I don't think that that's what the most improved player was designed for, is the guys that are going from star to superstar. If the, You know, like, to me, I voted. I'll tell you, like, I voted first for Jordan Poole. Okay, a guy's come out of nowhere and been like the third Splash Brother. Secondly, I brought it for Anthony Simmons, a guy who came out of IMG Academy, was doing very little over the first two years. And this year, there's a reason why the Portland traded C.J. McCollum, because they got Anthony Simmons, and Simmons added 10 points to a scoring average. And I'm the only person that voted for Max Struess, because Max Struess went from G-leaguer to a damn starter. The, for the Miami Heat, uh, the number one seed in the East, yeah. in this place and putting uh, Dr. Robinson on the bench, he got my third place vote. To me, that is what most improved is changing your role from let's say a bench guy to a capable. Like I thought, Grant Williams might have got a vote or two. He didn't get any I votes. So too, yeah. I know Robert Williams got a couple of votes, and that was yeah. I think that's what, what, it's, what it's about. To me, damn rookie of the year, All Star. Franchise player is not the most improved player. Like, to me, now, if you go from 18 points a game to 33, okay. If you go to make a dramatic jump in stats and all that, but to me, like, I I think that I know why he gave away the award. The award is beneath him. Mm -hmm. He he won MVP. That's why he gave it to Desmond Bain, who was another candidate who could have garnered votes.
0: Desmond should have got it.
2: there's no freaking guidelines for most improved player, which which annoys me because you literally have people voting for for, for the best superstar who can't you know. Some people, oh, I thought uh, Steph Curry should have got a couple because he you know, like he bounced back. Like, no, this <laughs> is. I thought this was an award for for players. If you look at the history of the most improved player awards, guys like you know. Uh, guy Sherrod was Daryl Armstrong from the Orlando Magic, like guys who like made something of a career, who, who were kind of there, you know, like I said, I think the best the best example that local fans will know is like a Grant Williams, a, a guy who turned himself from, should they bring him back next year? I mean, does he bring his team to, you know, a, a real key piece? A guy who can play the positions, hit the three-point shot. Grant has vastly improved. I thought that's what the award was for, not Ja Morant. Like, I love Ja Morant. But Ja had no uh, pitfalls, or Ja's going, whoo. That's, yeah, uh, straight he, up. he came okay. to the league ready. Like, he came to the league serving fools. So wh- what has he improved at? You know, he just got more efficient as he's gotten I, – I just don't think that's what the award was designed for. I don't understand why he won. You know Darius Garland. Okay, I guess you know a, a guy who's kind of taking Cleveland on his shoulders, but I don't think he's improved. I just think he's taking the that normal progression. So that was my speech on it. That's I mean I I understand why Ja gave the and I'm not blaming Ja at all. Ja mm-hmm. great player, but I don't think he was qualified for the award. I think it should have went to one of the other guys.
1: Well, I, you know his his gesture I think speaks volumes of to how I think a lot of people felt. I'm not, I don't think he was the most improved player on his team, let alone the damn league. Yeah. Desmond Bain was. yeah. Uh, and, and, and so it, it to me, it, it, it makes a joke of the award. I mean, you go back and you start looking at the folks who've won this award in the past. You're not going to find uh, too many guys that went high in a draft. The, the last most improved player that went fairly high was Brandon Ingram back in, two, in 2020. Um, and brandon again he was he had made that leap from being a so-so player to being a borderline all-star type player and so that's yeah that gets you there but John was already an all-star without the damn award he there was no point in his career trajectory where you question how good a player he was he was he, he was a top 2 pick and his entire career he's played like a top 2 pick uh and how the hell do you give a war like that to someone who was expected to be great and they're living up to the expectation i i, I don't i i just i'm i i do not know what the hell people who voted for him saw um i i, I don't get it and ja i would be i'll be pissed off if they gave me that war too i'm like did do you see these fools i dunk on every every damn week most improved cats don't do that all the time like i do most improved cats aren't the highlight that that everyone is is coming to see most improved players they hope that they can have maybe a month or two like me I've been doing it my entire career so with that most improved no it's it's it, it makes the award a joke and I I I really do hope that they between now and next year they establish some criteria for some of these awards because again it's it's only going to look just a bigger farce if they don't do something about it
0: agreed agreed well, looking ahead to this Celtics next round, most likely it'll be the Bucs unless they blow their lead. What are your expectations for this series?
1: Get it, G.
2: Um, a very rugged, tough series, but you're giving, you know, he made some time to prepare for Giannis and prepare for Drew Holiday. they prayed really well without Chris Middleton, although Chris Middleton is a Celtic killer. I mean, he is he has put it on the Celtics over the years. So who knows when he'll come back. I think during the series, he's likely to come back. Um, but very dangerous team. A lot of weapons. Brooke Lopez makes a big difference. Bobby Portis is a, a guy that is a hard matchup because he's 6'10", 6'11". He can shoot from the mid-range the mid range into three. You know, he can post up a little bit. He brings a lot of different elements to the game. Um, so a, a lot of, you know, a long series, It's going to be a a huge challenge. I think this will be the bigger challenge if you put together Milwaukee and then Miami. I think Milwaukee is a bigger challenge than Miami. Um, So this might be the biggest challenge they face. It's like when, you know, like uh, the Celtics of the 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 Big Three or whatever, you know, faced you know Cleveland in the with LeBron in the semifinals and then went and had to play Detroit or. Orlando, I remember 2010, where they beat, they beat Cleveland in the semis or whatever. Then they faced the the magic and the magic, even though, you know, they were the defending Eastern Conference champions, they were the easier opponent for the Celtics. So I think this might be one of those cases where your biggest challenge comes in the semifinals.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree. I, I think Milwaukee, and remember, they're defending champs. Uh, there's a reason why that, that, you know, they, they won that title and they and they brought back a lot of the fellows from that team. So they, they're definitely going to be a formidable foe if you're the Boston Celtics. Uh, I, I, to me, this is one of those series that I think that at the end of the day, as much as we're going to talk about Jason Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown and Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think it's the, those role players that are going to dictate who moves on uh, the guy that I'm going to keep close uh, the, to me they're they're not they're probably not going to be matched up against each other a lot, but I do believe when they're on the floor, they need to make an impact. And that's Bobby Portis and Grant Williams. I think those two guys could very well tilt this series one way or the other because Bobby Portis plays hard. He's, mm-hmm. he's I mean, he's just, I love watching him play because you know that he ain't taking no days off. He ain't taking no plays off. He is coming with the heat. And with the crazy wide eyes? When he gives you those eyes. Mm-hmm.
0: You don't want to be there when he comes no. up.
1: <laughs> but, but, but at the same token, you got to give Grant Williams his props because Grant Williams has been playing phenomenal in, in the in the postseason. I mean, you, you look at the numbers that he posted while guarding, you know, Kevin Durant. Durant was something like, uh, I think it was six for 18 or or something like that when Grant was, was defending him. Uh, really low shooting percentage. And Grant, uh, again, showed the ability to knock down shots when he had open looks for the most part. So to how those individual guys impact the series, I think will go far in determining who comes away and, and the other matchup, obviously Lopez and, and Al Horford. Uh, that's an, or Lopez and Al Horford slash time Lord. Uh, Cause Lopez, he's a, he's a legit stretch big. They didn't see anything even remotely close to that from Brooklyn. So, and, and Lopez can make free throws. Claxton, my goodness. May Shaq look like Ray Allen from the free throw line. <laughs> and that's hard to do.
0: I'm getting Hacker um, Clax like during a playoff run. I've so never, like, it's just, yeah, I, I
1: don't know, I don't, already Gary, I don't so early? <laughs> Gary, I don't know if you've ever, seen, I've never seen a guy miss 10 free throws in a row no. on any level. 10 in a row at, at the crib. We ain't talking about like with hostile fans. We talk about at the crib. Could you imagine? If every arena had, like, food giveaways, if you missed two free throws, that dude oh, feeding boy. the whole arena. <laughs> Feed your family
0: for weeks. For weeks. <laughs> with them put up. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll also shout out to our producer, Ahmed, who pointed out that the Celtics do have the best odds to win the East at plus 140, and then they have the second best odds to win it all at Plus three hundred, and that's right behind Golden State. And I already tweeted out that I want to see a golden State, Boston Celtics. me too, NBA Finals. So we'll see if me that too. comes to pass. <laughs> that's what I want. Well, I mean, just
1: along those same lines, point, one of the things that I think people I think forget about uh Golden State and when their dynasty began, they ran into so many things that broke their way that they had nothing no control over. Uh, the they, Celtics they played a, breaking That run. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, think about it. if you're the Celtics, you might face Milwaukee and Chris Middleton, who usually kills you, may not be around to play. You yeah. played Brooklyn and they got zero out of Ben Simmons. And if you're able to, to move on and play Miami, you don't know where Kyle Lowry's back is going to be or because he's dealing with some some type of injury. So there's a mm-hmm. the potential where you could be facing every team you face in the playoffs will have a, a key player either unavailable or injured to the point where they'll be limited in some capacity. And the Golden State Warriors, when their dynasty began, they had a similar situation to that. Uh, Patrick Beverly was, I think, with Houston that time, and he was out for most, if not all, that series. Uh, they, I believe they faced uh, Michael Mike Conley when he was in Memphis, and he had, like, the facial fracture thing where he missed a couple oh, yeah. of games. But at the end of the day, if you're Boston, you got to take care of your business. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if, uh, if Chris Milton isn't available you still got to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. So.
0: Yeah. And to that point, when you look at Golden State and Boston's rosters respectively, they the people that were injured on their roster are just now getting back to full strength. So hopefully if we get to that point, it will be a very fun matchup, I think, overall. But you guys can place your own bets. Once again, I want to shout out betonline.ag. Use that promo code CLNS50 for that welcome bonus. And sweep up that cash, Corny, right? Sweep that A cash sweep up. Sweep that cash, just like the Celtics did. <laughs> Hopefully by the time, we, well, by the time we're back next week, we'll know who they're playing and we'll give you more details on that. This is the A-List podcast. I'm Quanny A. Lunis for H.R. Blakely and Gary Washburn. Thank you all for listening.